What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today we had a purely vanity-based episode. I talked all about how to get visible abs because I know that that's something that's on your mind. It's something that I actually was striving for for the longest time. And so I had to share that story, but also just kind of talk about it from more of a practical sense because I hear and read so much misinformation when it comes to getting lean enough and having a physique where you're able to walk around with visible abs. I decided I should probably just clear the air, walk through the process, what it takes, what it actually looks like, dispel some of the myths and just give you my take on what that process entails. So it's all there for you. All you got to do is listen and then let me know your thoughts by tagging me on Instagram. So all you got to do is take a screenshot of the episode, post it on Instagram, share it to your stories, tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore underscore Milner and enjoy the episode. All right. The topic of conversation today is how to get visible abs. I know that this is something that a lot of people use as clickbait, as marketing material, as something that's like, I mentioned this in my post about the topic, which is the fitness industry loves to either oversimplify things or overcomplicate them. And the reason that they do that is because when it's oversimplified, they want to give off the illusion that you're just like six weeks away from this epic result, right? Because they like to sell short-term transformations, like lose 30 pounds in 30 days, you know, six weeks to abs. The reason they overcomplicate things is because they want you to believe that you have to do some fancy new thing to get the desired results. Like, oh, you can get abs, but you just have to do this carb cycling, intermittent, alternating, fasting, crazy program. Um, no, that's actually not true. Um, usually the, there's the gray area, which nobody likes to hear, uh, that the answer lies somewhere in the, in the middle. So I want to break it down and walk through the process of what it actually looks like to get visible abs. And can anybody do it? Or is there a large genetic component? What does it look like from a nutrition standpoint? Are abs truly made in the kitchen? And then what does it look like from a training standpoint? So we're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about training and we're going to talk about genetics and we're going to put all those pieces together and we are going to have the blueprint for how to get visible abs. So first thing that I want to say before I even jump in is that it is okay to have the goal of getting abs, visible abs, right? That is fine. If that is your goal, don't let anybody tell you that that's not okay to have that goal. I'm so sick and tired of people telling others what they should and shouldn't have as goals. Like I say this all the time, but it needs to be reiterated and hammered home. Your goals are your goals. Nobody else gets to decide that for you. So yes, we are talking about vanity right now. We're talking about strictly a physical appearance, you know, a body part that you may want to be developed. It's the same thing if you want to build a bigger booty or have bigger quads. There's no difference. If you want visible abs, then own it. That's your goal. Fine. But I want to give you 
the awareness and education on what that actually looks like to help you avoid some of the mistakes that I made and some mistakes that I see in the space that are pretty common. So I just wanted to put that out there. I'm actually going to start with a personal story because I think this helps to illustrate uh, what it actually looks like when uh, some of the, like I'll say the difference between uh, reality versus perception. So when I was like first getting into fitness and I had just discovered strength training, this was like I had been a, a cardio junkie because I thought that's what I needed to do to lose a bunch of weight. This was like I was, you know, 250 pounds, cardioed my way down to like 200, gained a bunch back. I was probably sitting around 220, something like that. I found strength training, fell in love with it, changed my life. And I still was like, I never really figured out the nutrition piece at that point and was still doing a bunch of crash dieting, starvation dieting, yo-yo dieting, all that stuff. Um, and my goal at that point in time was literally, I just wanted abs. It was, I don't even know where that thought came from. I honestly can't say, uh, because originally my goal was just to get below 200 pounds. And I did that several times and then kept bouncing back over 200. So I like shifted my focus and was like, you know what? Screw this. I just want to do whatever it takes to get abs, visible abs. And I really can't say for sure what the root of that was. I, I don't really remember. It wasn't like I looked at a magazine and was like, oh, I need that. Uh, it's hard to remember. Uh, so I wish I could tell you the motivation behind it other than I just wanted to look better naked. So I go on this crazy diet. And in my mind, the perception was, and I was told this by a trainer, the perception and my belief was that I had to get super, super lean to get abs. And he was like, you just have to keep losing weight. So when I was below 200 pounds, 190, he was like, you got to keep going. You have to get leaner. I was 180. He was like, you got to keep going. You got to get leaner. 170. He was like, you got to keep going. You got to get leaner. And then I remember taking a picture of myself uh, at 167, which is very light for me. I'm 5'10". I was 167 pounds and I could barely see ab definition. It was like blurry, like no definition in my abs. I hated the way that I looked. So I'm sitting here like I can't keep going like this. I was basically eating no food. I was working out six days a week, training my ass off. And here I am like almost 30 some pounds lower than where I thought I wanted to be and still no ab definition. And it was so frustrating. And I, I ballooned back up after that. I was, so, I was so just done with the whole process. I was like, fuck this. I can't, I can't figure this out. So I'm just, why even bother? And eventually I realized that the, that the issue was I didn't actually have ab muscle. So um, I share that story because sometimes the perception and reality are two different things. You can't just get leaner and leaner and leaner and leaner to having well-defined and visible abs. Now, if you already have a decent amount of muscle, then sure. But at that point in time, I was, I did not do anything to, to set myself up where getting leaner made the difference. And the reality was that I was 
doing something that wasn't sustainable. Uh, I was miserable. I was starving myself and I still wasn't happy with the way that I look. So sometimes I'm, I'm sharing this because sometimes we have this like idea in our minds of what it's going to be like when we reach this certain point. And the reality is that it's just not like that. So that was my first. So, so to give some context here, I was 167 with no abs and the picture that I posted about this video, about this training, where you can see that I have some abs, um, that picture, I was 187, I believe. So 20 pounds heavier and way more defined and visible abs. Um, Currently, I'm like 194, 195, and I still have pretty defined abs, almost 30 pounds heavier, which is pretty crazy. So it's not simply about the scale. A lot of times people just assume if I get lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter, I'm going to see abs. Oftentimes, if you ever look at like a runner, um, you might see some, depends on uh, their genetics, but for the most part, they don't have these like well-defined like turtle shell block abs. It's just like, okay, they're, they're so lean that you can kind of see the definition, but not really um, unless they are genetically gifted. So I wanted to put that out there because that is a common misconception that you just have to like starve yourself to a, a certain level of leanness. And then all of a sudden your abs will appear. There has to be something there. So let's start with the nutrition because we've all heard the saying that abs are made in the kitchen. And there is a little bit of truth to that, although it's a little bit misguided. So let's clear that up right now. Um, abs can be revealed in the kitchen but they are not made in the kitchen. So what I mean by that is our nutrition can help us to get to lower levels of body fat percentage. And yes, getting to a certain level of body fat percentage is important if you want visible abs. Like there's no way to beat around the bush here. You have to be lean enough. If you want visible abs, you have to be lean enough for that to happen. But so the the abs are being made in the kitchen. It's a little bit misguided the real statement should be that abs are revealed in the kitchen, which then begs the question, how are abs actually made? Well, abs are a muscle. So if you look at like the six pack, which is typically what people, you know, admire and they want um, that those are our rectus abdominis muscles. The bottom line is it's a muscle. So it needs to be built just like any other muscle. It would be the equivalent of saying that I want really big, defined biceps, but never actually building your biceps and only focusing on the nutrition. So why do we say that abs are made in the kitchen, but we don't say that about any other muscle? Why don't we say that quads are made in the kitchen? Why don't we say that shoulders are made in the kitchen, right? Like it seems so bizarre that we've attached this saying to one muscle group and not the rest. It doesn't make any sense. The reality is that anytime you want definition, You have to be leaner, but you also have to have enough muscle to show. So if you want more defined quads, biceps, delts, whatever it is, you actually have to build those muscles and you have to be lean enough for the definition to show. So those are the two things. If you think about how would you go about building bigger quads or more defined quads or bigger biceps or more defined delts, you would have to use strength training, resistance training to progressively overload that muscle. If I wanted to build my biceps, 
I would work my biceps through strength training and I would progressively overload them, which means that I want to increase volume over time so that I'm increasing the stress demand on my biceps because I want the adaptation to occur. The adaptation that I want is for that muscle to say, okay, well, we're actually breaking down that muscle, repairing it, but then imposing a greater stress over time so that it has to adapt by getting bigger and stronger. That is the process of building a muscle and your abs are no different. So a lot of people say, well, you don't have to use progressive overload with abs because they're getting a lot of indirect work, which is definitely true. So anytime there's any like kind of bracing or you know core type of uh, involvement, let's use squats, for example. Squats are not a direct ab movement, but you are getting plenty of ab work when you're doing a squat because you have to brace. Same thing with a deadlift. Pretty much any of your compound movements are going to involve some kind of ab recruitment if you're doing it properly, if you're bracing properly. Um, and that's part of what your core does. Part of it is stability. That's just part of it though. So to say that you don't need any other ab work because they're kind of getting indirect work um, is like the equivalent of saying that my biceps get work through bench press. So I don't really need to do curls, right? Like sometimes we can just apply the same logic to other like other areas of training and use that same logic to abs. It's the same thing. Just like you wouldn't say that quads are made in the kitchen, abs aren't really made in the kitchen either. They're revealed in the kitchen, just like any muscle is. So they're built in the gym or in your home gym or wherever you're doing your training. So we have to apply some kind of progressive overload stimulus to the abdominals if we want to build them enough so that when we do get lean enough that they're actually visible and there's muscle there to show. Um, so if you're doing indirect ab work, like you're doing squats and deadlifts and overhead press, um, any sort any sort of like Olympic type lifts, you're going to get some indirect stability work, which is great. However, I highly recommend doing some kind of direct progressive overload with your abs. So you can do, so a lot of times, and, and I said I was going to dispel some myths on here. One of the myths is that all you need to do is a bunch of like crunches every day and you're going to build your abs. The problem with that is it's really difficult to increase the stimulus. Uh, yes, of course, you can keep doing more reps, but to increase the stimulus, like the demand, when there's no weight involved, it's, it's a little bit more challenging. What's helpful is if you have some kind of resistance that you can incorporate. Like if we were going to do a cable crunch, I can, I can tangibly see that if I do three sets of 10 cable crunches at 50 pounds, and then I progressively get to 60, 70, 80 pounds, I'm, I'm increasing the demand. I'm increasing the stimulus on my abs. They have to adapt by getting bigger and stronger. So I highly recommend some kind of weighted progressive overload with direct ab work. All the indirect work is fine, which is actually the reason why we don't always need to be doing direct ab work year round. So it doesn't have to be, you know, every week of the year. What I like to do is take phases of direct ab work in like 12 week blocks and then take time off from direct ab work and then go back to it in like eight to 12 weeks. So let's say I take eight to 12 weeks of 
direct ab work and then I take eight weeks off from direct ab work and then I go back and do another eight to 12. But we want to incorporate some kind of weighted progressive overload because that's going to be the easiest way to increase the demand and stimulus on the abs. So let's say we do weighted crunches. You can still, what I like to do is some kind of an activation movement where it is body weight, like let's say a Swiss ball crunch. And I'm, I can still increase volume with more reps and sets of the body weight movement. And then with the weighted movement, I can increase the actual, um, I can actually increase the tension. I can increase the load on the muscle by increasing the weight. So that is how abs are made. Abs are revealed in the kitchen. So once we've done enough of the progressive overload, then we can reveal our abs through our nutrition and lifestyle. So what that actually looks like in application, because a lot of people ask, well, what comes first, right? Do I build my abs or do I get lean enough? Um, my answer to this is always the same, which is it depends. But for the most part, it's easier to get lean first and then build muscle. Unless you're brand new to training, if you're brand new to training, you can kind of do both at the same time. It's the benefit to newbie gains. But if you have been training for a while, it helps to get leaner first and lose a significant amount of body fat if you do have a significant amount to lose. Because when you get leaner, what's going to happen is your muscles will actually be more responsive uh, to when you do increase calories and training demand because of the fact that you're improving insulin sensitivity by getting leaner. You're also improving um, other hormones that'll play a role. So you're going to be improving insulin sensitivity. You're going to be improving your sex hormones. Um, so it's, there's going to be less, if you're a man, less testosterone that's converted to estrogen. Um, so you're going to have more of the muscle building hormones. If, and, and the same thing applies if you're a female, it helps to get leaner before you try to build muscle. So the, let's just say you're you're a little bit, you've, you've been training for a decent amount of time, you're ready to get leaner, um, and you are trying to reveal your abs through your nutrition. Um, yes, it will require a calorie deficit. Uh, all the same things apply when it comes to revealing abs as it does to revealing any body part. We want to be in a, a moderate calorie deficit, like 15, 20% calorie deficit from maintenance eating adequate protein, uh, so somewhere in the 0.7 to 1.25 grams per pound of body weight as a range so that we're maintaining the muscle mass that we do have as we're losing body fat. And then we get to a certain level of leanness, and then we can shift gears to building muscle through eating at maintenance or at a slight surplus moderate surplus. You don't need a huge surplus. It really shouldn't be that much. Like start at 10% as a calorie surplus. You don't have to, you know, pump the gas or push the gas super hard when you're trying to build muscle. It's, it's going to have, if you go too high, you're going to build more fat than muscle and you're going to end up back at square one, which is not a good place to be. So it helps to start with a very small surplus if you're trying to build muscle. So once you get lean enough, um, an important thing to note is that you can't just rip the bandaid off. 
You can't just slash calories and always eat less and less and less and less and get lean enough, which is exactly what I talked about doing um, and what I did, what I mentioned in the beginning of this training. Uh, I tried to rip the Band-Aid off and just keep eating less and less and less and less, and that led me to um, not being happy with my body composition, having no muscle to show, and then being so fed up with the process that I gained it all back. We have to periodize. We have to phase things. If we want to maintain metabolic health, we have to phase things. We have to pick and choose when we're going through these, these fat loss cycles. So we want to go in short-term phases of dedicated fat loss cycle, reverse diet, maintain dedicated fat loss cycle, and rinse and repeat that process until you've, you've achieved a certain level of leanness. And then we can go through the muscle building process. Um, or if you're happy with you know what? I, I did a fat loss cycle and I don't want to go through a whole nother one all that quickly. Uh, like you can just go into maintenance and then a surplus and then go back into a fat loss cycle. So it doesn't have to be there. What I'm trying to illustrate is that there's no one path. Uh, you know, we can, which is the whole point of individualization, personalization is understanding what makes the most sense for you as an individual based off of your diet history, uh, your metabolic health, your goals, your lifestyle, you know, your schedule, the things that you've got going on in your life, where you're at, where you're coming from as far as training goes and all that stuff. So we have a lot to factor in, but just to like give you the big picture view of what that would look like, you know, we would want to get lean enough and then go through the muscle building process. Now, how lean is one of the questions that I always get. How lean do you have to be in order to see visible abs? So this is a tricky question because I can tell you that when I got down to 167, I did an in-body scan, which showed me at about 9% body fat. Whether those whether that's accurate or not, it doesn't matter. I was using the same tool to measure. So at least the measurement tool was consistent. When I did things the right way and actually had some muscle to show, I scanned um, at about 11% body fat and was, I don't know, maybe 20 some pounds, 25 pounds heavier and had way more visible abs. So there's, it's hard to say a, a body fat percentage that you need to see abs. That's where genetics come into play and also how much muscle you have. So those two things are going to make a big difference when it comes to the level of leanness to actually have abs to show. Um, I was 11% body fat, but I had way more muscle. So you could still see abs more defined than when I was 9% body fat and much lighter, but had no muscle. There was nothing there to see. Uh, so it's not so much about the, you do have to be lean enough, but lean enough is, is very variable. I've seen guys walk around at 15, 16% body fat. And you could actually still see defined abs either because of their genetics and, or because of the amount of muscle that they have. Um, for women, it's the same thing. I've literally scanned um, on an in-body a woman who scanned in at like 12% body fat, which is really, really low for a woman. Um, and she didn't have very defined abs. And I've also scanned women who were 18% body fat and you could see more defined abs. It just has to do with how much muscle they have and genetics. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, a lot of times people ask about fat distribution and that is highly, highly genetic. So some people just carry more body fat on their midsection. Um, for me, I carry it in my lower back. 
So I can still be heavier and have abs and like, you would think, oh, I'm, I'm like super lean right now. But then if you looked at the backside of me, you would realize not so much. That's just where my fat goes. Like immediately, it's always in the lower back. Um, sometimes it's just, again, the genetics will, will determine fat distribution. Um, now you can build muscle. You can target where you build muscle, again, through your training, through periodization, um, through progressive overload. So if I did want to bring up a body part, that, you know, let's just say I'm somebody that carries more body fat on my quads. And I'm like, you know what, I really want more definition of my quads, I can do some, you know, targeted training to build up my quads so that there's more muscle there. So I don't have to be as lean to see quad definition. So there's ways to kind of mitigate those things. But genetically, um, we've just kind of been dealt a hand and we just kind of have to play it. Now, the amount that genetics actually influence things it's up for debate. You know, the, the scientific community used to say that it was a really high percent and that percent has gotten lower and lower and lower over time with, you know, when, when we look at like epigenetics and nutrigenomics and all these budding fields that show us that, you know, genetics are really like the, the best analogy that I've heard when it comes to genetics is that um, genetics load the gun, but your lifestyle pulls the trigger. So that's to say that, yes, genetics influence us, but we also have a lot of control. So the latest research that I've looked at says that genetics play somewhere in like a 20% uh, factor. Take it for what it's worth, um, somewhere in that range. But that's, you know, that's definitely bound to change as we continue to dive more into some of these you know, research fields. But we don't want to ignore the fact that somebody might have defined abs and we're like super envious of the fact that they can walk around with abs year round. And it just might be that they're genetically gifted or they might be enhanced and taking a bunch of illegal substances. Um, so who knows? Like th that's why there's no point in comparing and be like, Oh, well this person has abs. So now, you know, I should have abs too because they can do it. Uh, so that's a good segue into who can actually have visible apps. Um, the reality is that anybody can. It's just a matter. The question is, what are you willing to sacrifice to get there? And is it worth it? Um, so when I got down to 167, that wasn't worth it. And I didn't even have abs at that point. Where I'm at now is a lifestyle level of leanness where I do have abs. It's not like crazy to find abs, but I do have them. They're easy to maintain because I have enough muscle and I'm fortunate enough with my genetics that my, I don't carry a ton of, I do, you know, some in the lower abs, but typically the top four of my rectus abdominis, they, they'll be visible. So I genetically speaking, I'm in a good spot where I can kind of have abs year round. Um, anybody can get there for me to get to the point where I posted that picture about this training from my photo shoot. I, I can't walk around like that year round. That's unsustainable. I have to really diet hard to get there and I don't want to stay there. So there's always going to be a give and take. Anybody can get there. It's just, it's just a matter of genetics. It's a matter of what you're willing to sacrifice and is it worth it? When it comes to women, it should like I would be doing everybody a disservice if I didn't mention the fact that there are more significant 
consequences to getting abs because if you just think about the way that we evolved like your body doesn't care if you have visible abs or not your body wants to keep you alive that's all that it cares about we are built for survival and reproduction and to keep our species alive and and surviving so the point is that there are consequences when it comes to reproduction, when it comes to your cycle, that as a female, you have to consider when you're getting to super low levels of body fat. Uh, you will notice cycle irregularities. You'll possibly notice you know, fatigue and brain fog and no sex drive and some things that may not be worth it. So the hormonal and metabolic trade-off uh, you, you might decide that that's not worth it. So it, it's always important to remember that there are, there are women out there who can walk around with abs year round because of the fact that they are genetically gifted or they might be enhanced or they might have a lot of muscle and they've been working really hard for a long period of time. Don't fall into the comparison trap and think that just because somebody can have abs year round that everybody can there is a significant trade-off. There is a significant sacrifice. And sometimes that sacrifice is internal health. I'm not going to tell you if that's worth it or not. Everybody has to make their own decisions, but it's my job to bring awareness to these things so that you can make the best decision for yourself. So um, that is kind of like the overall formula when, when you look at nutrition, when you look at training, and when you look at genetics, when it comes to having visible abs. The first thing is you have to be lean enough. The second thing is you actually have to have enough muscle to show for it, um, you know, for those abs, for that muscle group to be visible. So that does require not only indirect ab training, but also direct ab work and progressive overload. And then the last thing is you have to have some luck in the genetic lottery. Uh, if you want it to be sustainable uh, and not have to suffer too much to get there. So there's a combination of all three. Um, I think that the phrase abs are made in the kitchen is very misguided. Abs are revealed in the kitchen with your nutrition and your lifestyle built through training. And there's also that level of genetics that kind of helps if you've been um, gifted with the genetic lottery. So hopefully this helps guys. This is just my take. Um, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, what I've seen, what I've experienced, some of the misconceptions out there, um, thinking that like anybody can have abs in six weeks if you just diet really hard. Uh, it's very misguided. And unfortunately, it's also jeopardizes a lot of people's internal health because of what I just said. Uh, if you feel like you have to get super, super lean, uh, you may be sacrificing hormonal health and metabolic health. So those are the reasons why, um, you know, we, we educate before we go through the process and we want to be aware of biofeedback markers and um, looking at things like cycle health and hormone health and, you know, all the stuff that we look at. If we're going to take somebody through the process of, you know, hey, this person has a goal of wanting abs, we're always going to create the awareness first of this is what the path will look like. Here's what we're going to monitor to make sure we're doing it in the right way. Um, and we still might find out that it's unsustainable. So we always just want to be transparent about that uh, because it doesn't help anybody if we say, 
anybody out there can have abs in six weeks or eight weeks or whatever. And, and we end up jeopardizing internal health for the sake of, you know, having abs for one summer. And, and then unfortunately you go through a lot of uh, mental turmoil, which is something that I experienced firsthand, which is why I'm pretty vocal about this. So please let me know if this was helpful if this makes sense, first of all, let me know if it makes sense. Um, if you're watching on Facebook, you can just drop a comment. Or if you have any questions, you can drop a comment. But mostly, I want to know if this was helpful, if this made sense. Um, if you are listening on the podcast, hopefully, you already know what to do. And this goes for everybody on Facebook, too. If you are watching on Facebook, you should still be subscribed to the Mind Over Macros podcast, and you should be leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes and sharing the episode on your stories and tagging me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. So that is another rule. That's a requirement that everybody has to do. You are obligated to post a five-star rating and review and to share to your stories. So um, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, and I will talk to you guys very soon.